Welcome to the Brownstoner podcast. I'm your host, Josh Schnepps, publisher of Brownstoner. My guest today is Joseph Martinez, who is a real estate agent with Compass. Welcome, Joseph. Hey, Josh. How are you? Great to be here. Great to have you. So um, let's go right into it. You live in Greenpoint and you specialize in that neighborhood as well as Bed-Stuy. So tell us a little bit about those neighborhoods and, and what's special about them. I'll start off with Bed-Stuy. Uh, I started working. That was my first residential gig in uh, New York City. I had done um, some commercial in Manhattan before that, but I uh, went over to Bed-Stuy right as that market started to boom. And I mean, I absolutely fell in love with it. It's like timeless New York. You could be transported yep. back two, 300 years. You know, the people there also too, like so warm. It was uh, a lot different from some other neighborhoods. Everybody was always out, like, you know, sweeping the porch, waving high, you know, if you walk down with your head by, uh, head down, they would even, you know, stop you and say, hey, how are you? What's going on? Uh, so great vibe. And I mean, also the interior of the houses. I mean, I think Brownstoder, all the listeners, they all know it's, you know, one of the things that made you guys too, was that just that Brownstone, New York, uh, you know, those details inside the home. And uh, Greenpoint, Greenpoint, I moved to about 13 years ago before it got uh, developed. And uh, I was right by the waterfront, right where all those abandoned factories were. And it was just like surreal. You know, I would walk down the street, there was no street lights and, and the skyline of Manhattan across the river was lighting it up. And that, that neighborhood, like nobody ever went there. It was like a little hidden gem of New York. And uh, I instantly fell in love with it, got a place there, and I've been happy there ever since. And it certainly changed a lot. I know I jogged through Greenpoint, and there's a ton of development going on, especially along the waterfront. That's, yeah, all those old warehouses now, you know, they were, you know, 1,000-square-foot lots. And, I mean, now they're 46-story buildings, either high-end rentals or, you know, $4 million condos. But I feel like with that has come along some nice retail and, and really local mom and pop stores. Yeah, Franklin uh, is actually where I live. I mean, Franklin, in the time that I've been there, it's went from maybe two or three delicatessens to full-blown like clothing stores, restaurants. Kickstarter actually moved in on one of the blocks. They took over, you know, three quarters of a block there, probably about, you know, 20, 30,000 square feet of office space. Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, office building they have there. So you've been a real estate investor, and, and from what I hear, you've renovated a lot of properties. So talk a little bit about what you were doing before you became an agent and, and how you got into real estate. Uh, yeah, they actually fit together. I, I started out, I owned like uh, multiple businesses. I lived on Long Island at the time, went from restaurant restaurateur to uh, I had a chain of tanning salons and uh, probably about in my life about 2930 I kind of got sick of that retail model and uh, you know didn't want to pay rent anymore wanted to really do something that was like still own my own business but you know kind of be self-driven by me I didn't want to have obligations to anybody else and uh, I got into real estate flipping so you know first couple houses I bought were minor hundred thousand dollar houses I started doing work on them and uh you know, really through that, you know, I was kind of disappointed in all the agents that I came across. Like, you know, it seemed like I was doing all the work. They didn't really understand what I was doing. And uh, when, when I had sold all the businesses, I just kind of transitioned into that. I said, you know what, there's got to be a lot of people that are looking for and missing out on exactly what I am. So this is a, a nice progression to go from owning the businesses to then do what I love and then also do it for other people. So you had that firsthand experience of uh, customer service. 
customer service and then just knowing you know that like it's not just you know you don't want to always hear the right things you know you want you want somebody to sit you down if you you know you're going to get involved with a reno and this is your life savings on the line you know you you don't want to deal with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing you want somebody to to maybe tell you about the stuff that once you open a wall it's not as easy as just putting sheetrock back up you know maybe have like a full understanding of things and also too not to you know run and cry and hide when somebody says there's a structural issue you know because it's it's all brick and mortar and it's all fixable absolutely so we talked a little bit about your experience in greenpoint and in bedsty can you share a little bit about what um are some of the neighborhoods as well as types of properties you feel offer good value for potential homeowners in brooklyn right now I think right now you want to go south in Brooklyn. A lot of the multifamily market, you can still purchase something for under a million. You have rates that are hovering around 3%, possibly lower, a tick higher. So, I mean, if you go down, you can go down to like Canarsie, you know, areas of Marine Park, stuff like that. If you can come across a two, three family house, I mean, if you're going to live in it, you might be able to live in it for free. You could probably get your unit, rent out like a unit or two, which will probably cover your mortgage and have minimal costs or just for investment. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the neighborhoods, like you said, I mean, you, you know, Greenpoint, you know, your average around, you know, $3 million for a house, even Bed-Stuy now, the nicely redone stuff is a tick over 2 million. So it's kind of gotten a little bit out of hand. So if you want what those people have done in those areas, you, you're going to have to move more south now. And those have been good and safe neighborhoods for many, many years. Yeah, I, I love it down there. I really wasn't, um, you know, I've always been a North Brooklyn type of guy, but, you know, obviously through real estate and going whatever, I, you know, I ventured there at least, you know, had a couple sales like a couple times a year down there. And I mean, it for the money, especially even like, you know, three, four years ago, we, we were selling stuff in uh, Bed-Stuy. I mean, we were having 30 person bidding wars and, you know, going from 1 million to 1.6 by the time we sold it. And, you know, down there, I had clients that were picking up, you know, three families for six, $700,000. Wow. What a difference. Yeah. So we talked a little about your background as doing, you know, renovation, how you actually got started in the real estate industry. So in what situations does it make sense to buy a property in need of res renovation rather than something that's, you know, turnkey? Pretty much always. I mean, you're never going to walk, even, even in a brand new renovated property, everybody's going to have their ticks with it. You know, they're going to, they're going to come in and, you know, the tile's not the right color or, you know, maybe they didn't, you know, put enough skylights or maybe they hate skylights and there's skylights there. So, I mean, those things of customization are always great, but the drawback with it and the, the time not to would be, you know, you're expecting a baby, you have big life moves going on, you're starting a new job, like stick to what you do. You know, if you're a dentist, be a dentist. You don't want to be a home remodeler, you know, especially if you don't have the time for it. But, um, you know, the renovation, it's always, you know, typically, even if you're going to spend four to 500000 on a renovation, the property that you're looking at, if you can get a seven, $700,000 discount on it and then do everything exactly the way you want it, it's definitely worth it. So part of it is really numbers driven. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, the deals now, they're a little bit more hard to come by, but, you know, the things we were talking about before, I mean, uh, you know, especially residential in the Bed-Stuy, those areas when they were coming up, I mean, you, the, the finished product was 1.7. I could have got you something for 800. And then depending on how savvy you are, I've had so many clients that when the market was hovering around 1.7 finished, we, we finished 
you know, they, they had a purchase and a reno around one, two, one, three. So talking about timing, because sometimes timing is everything. We're in these, you know, really uncharted times right now. What, what do you think in terms of timing to be a buyer or a seller of a home in Brooklyn now? Uh, Brooklyn, obviously, with everything that happened, COVID, stuff like that, it's not Man- Manhattan got hit more, obviously, lack of outdoor space, you know, just jammed closer together. And it's, you know, everything that the world's telling you right now to get away from. So uh, a big boom in, in the suburbs. We have uh, Westchester, Long Island is absolutely on fire. Same thing as Brooklyn was years ago, you know, that 30 person bid on the single house two days after it comes out. But uh, actually, Brooklyn is kind of flat, you know, obviously, we all took that hit back, uh, you know, March, April, May, and, and nobody knew what was going on in the world. But I mean, then, then the real estate industry came out. And I mean, it was roaring, it was on fire. So I mean, even here now, stuff with a yard, you know, also those reno units, they're still moving there. There's no huge dip in them. The sky hasn't fallen. So, you know, still a good time. That's very positive to hear considering COVID, obviously. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, listen, we were all scared, right? I mean, you, you went back and you, you know, you sat in your house for three months and at some point everybody had that thing of like, wow, is this really going on? <laughs> you know, is this, is this really happening? Am I really sitting home for, you know, six weeks right now? But, uh, you know, I think that, especially with the city too, I feel that right now everyone, you had that shock to the system, right? And everybody, everybody kind of had to, even when I worked in Manhattan, it's unbelievably to me how many people who work in Manhattan are not from New York and they're not from Manhattan. You know, they're from Colorado, they're from somewhere else. I feel like a lot of those people, when this happened, they wanted to be with their families. They maybe went back to where they were from. You know, they're, they're working online. They're, they don't have to go physically into an office right now. But as we all know, we're going to weather the storm. Who does it better than New York? And everybody's going to be back. And I feel like then also when it does, you're going to see a run again, because now all those vacancies are going to be filled and everybody loves a city lifestyle. I'm with you. Yeah. Can't get away from it. (laughs) I'm I'm happy to hear your optimism. What about shorter term, just going into this winter? Is there any thoughts that you have in terms of the market, you know, going into the end of the year, into the new year? I don't think it's going to be the same as it was. I feel like we missed, uh, you know, typically with us, in the market, we're going to get that February to probably around June, which is hot, right? And then we're going to, you know, summer is kind of medium. And then the fall time drops off when kids go back to school. And usually winter is our dead time. That's when, you know, every real estate agent, attorney, everybody's on vacation. You can't get in touch with anybody. I feel like, although I don't think it'll be a hot market, I think it's going to be like our medium market. I think it would be somewhat similar to what we get before the September market, usually, because people are still looking, you know, and they, and, you know, also too, I mean, if you've been on the sidelines for a little bit, you've just watched those prices sometimes get unattainable. So, you know, if you, if you were looking for a three family in Bed-Stuy and, you know, you're, you're kicking yourself for two or three years because you wanted to play that market was going to have a downfall back then. And one seven was your number. Now maybe is your time. Yeah. I feel like everybody's kind of clocks and uh, seasons have been thrown off a bit. Yeah, I mean, you know what, we were all there. So I mean, and, and like I said, with, with the other markets that are hotter, or the, the ones with bigger yards, stuff like that, the summer fall market was the spring or better. Right. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, and advice for first time home buyers. So what would be your, your best advice for a first time home buyer getting into the market right now? And, and where do you think they should start? 
I think a couple things. I think the first like three things are very important. One would be that when you're determining your budget and your area, just kind of really go with what's going to suit you. And, and what I say is that I get a lot of phone calls and people will say, oh, I have a $900,000 budget, right? I mean, in Brooklyn, we can find any, right? That could be a studio apartment somewhere. That, that could be a multifamily down South Brooklyn where we're talking. Yeah. So it's like, do you need that rental income? Do you, do you want a, a three family in a Marine Park? Do you want a one bedroom in the Greenpoint Towers we were just talking about and you know, you're fine, you want a gym, you want a pool, you want all that stuff. So, you know, determine the area and, and you know, stop driving themselves crazy because when people are all over the place, it's like, you know, I have people sending me listens, hey, check this out, check that out. It's like, you need to know where you wanna be and your, your search will get that much easier. Second off, as we all know, rule number one is the financing because when I take somebody out, when, we, when we're doing that initial search for you, that's going to turn over our most results. And sometimes, not even the first day, the first property we look at are the ones that people go back to and they end up almost buying because, you know, we've, we've done our research, they're ready to go. So, you mm -hmm. know, if you don't have your financing in order and then you have to wait a week or, you know, whatever it is from there, that's when it's going to cause a problem. You're going to miss out on it. And number three would be work with an agent that specializes in what you want to do. You know, have, have them know, have them be knowledgeable, not just the pretty face, you know, ha have them understand your needs and, you know, may maybe they can have that discussion to help where you're going with it, you know, because I mean, you know, may maybe people don't understand sometimes the, you know, buying the condos, the maintenance fees, those things on top of a mortgage, as opposed to owning a single family or a multifamily home where they're going to have either the rental income and just pay flat taxes. You know, that's really good advice and it's basics, right? I mean, it's like kind of like one-on-one, -on -one. you want to be yeah. prepared and you want to be able to pull the trigger and be able to afford what you're looking at and know the, let the seller know that you're prepared as well. I can imagine that that could be the difference between getting a property and not. And, and there's nothing worse than, you know, losing out on that first one, you know, it's like a love, yeah, I, you know, I have people, they, they go, they see the first one, they're kind of uncommittal because of course everybody is, right? You, you know, nobody who's never purchased a home before, they're, they're not going to go out, see the first one and say, you know what, do it, let's do this. But, you know, if they do happen to miss on it, you're working with them later, everything you see, they're comparing it back to the first one. And, you know, oh, remember the other place, you know, it had bigger bedrooms, it had a bigger terrace on it, and it was 50 grand cheaper. I should have bought it. I should have bought it. Right. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you live in Brooklyn, you obviously work in Brooklyn. Talk to me and, and just share with our listeners, what inspires you about the borough? It's got to be everything. I mean, I love Brooklyn. There's no other place like it. It's uh, so multicultural. Even the neighborhoods themselves, they're so different. There's, there's such a different vibe from the north to the south. Those Manhattan views, Brooklyn Bridge Park. I mean, lifelong New Yorker. I love it. I don't think I could ever give it up. And uh, it's just the place to be. And also opportunity wise, it is just like amazing. I mean, working, real estate, uh, you know, everything else that everybody has there. It's like the businesses. Uh, Josh, I love it, man. I love the people. I love walking around even when I'm working in these neighborhoods. The food, the multiculturalism, you know, having the bars, the restaurants, just kind of walking in everywhere you go. You just kind of feel like you fit in. It's a nice, relaxed atmosphere. I love it. 
Well, it's well said. As a person that lives in Brooklyn, I can tell you each neighborhood is kind of its own little world. Yeah, it's like traveling around Europe, right? The different countries. Absolutely. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm your host, Josh Schneps, with the Brownstoner Podcast. Make sure to tune in to all our podcasts at brownstoner.com. Mm-hmm.